Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Music Note Podcast, where we'll be exploring the different occupations and careers linked to the art of music. I'm your host, Lori Leanne. My guest in episode 6 is someone who achieved so much in a very short period of time. Not only did she experience the downside of fame, she also knows what it's like to fight back. She's an artist, an actress, a producer, a host, a model, a beauty queen, a chef, a PhD holder, an entrepreneur, and she became Miss World Malaysia. Welcome to the show, or like to say in Malay, Selamat datang, Dr. Sue Winchi. Thank you so much for being on the show. I was looking at your Wikipedia page and I was amazed when I look at all those titles and awards. It hasn't been an easy journey for you. Can you tell me a little bit about that, Avenger? Apart from all the icing you saw on the Wikipedia, I was being born obese and I have tone deaf. I'm not good in anything. I have no talent. If you can see back then, I was being labeled as Godzilla because I was the biggest size girl and obese girl and the slowest girl in studies when I was young. And being born in Malaysia and coming out from a traditional Chinese family, meaning girls don't need education, they will tell you that girls, you know, you just get married. I'm not gifted at all. I, I, I told myself. If I don't save myself and I kept crying every day, I would trapped forever. And seeing a lot of seniors and, you know, a lot of people, I saw women crying silently where, you know, our ancestor being through a lot of hurdles because men empower everything back then. I told myself that one day I'm going to change this. I keep telling myself that I'm not good enough. And if I stop, everyone will pull me back towards that traditional route, which I think I have no more turning back. I started with zero talent. I started with the worst card in my life. None of them gave me encouragement, but you know, back then it's all criticism. I knew about the environment. I need to be frank. You know, it's no like nothing. It's, it's like fairy tale or, you know, I'm gifted or, oh, I'm so lucky. Even I got the luck. I don't even want it because it's artificial. It's because of all this thing. I started from so low and uh, being bullied, being criticized. Back then, I know that if I really want to succeed, it's up to me to prove it to them like what you say. So even studying and stuff, I would spend like 20 hours locking myself in the room to do it until I get the top in my class. Even cooking, I would spend... 20 hours per day or not sleeping to bake or my singing I'm not good so I'll practice seven to eight hours until every time I sing my neighbors will complain everyone will complain even my my parents will say that please stop even my teachers like a lot of them wanted to give up on me a lot of things I know that I need to work super duper hard and because of that I, I keep on pedaling and then I kept finding my own ways uh, even I got to Miss World Malaysia and all those things, but it took me almost 15 to 16 competition after after losing so many times, only I got the biggest award. And in between, I travel around countries to get my degrees and to get my talents right, to get my speech right, even music. I was from the first pop music school in Malaysia. I was the youngest, I still remember. I was the least talented. All my seniors were like so talented, but 
they were trapped in the competition. They didn't sustain until today. So when I made it into Berkeley, it took me almost 16 years to come in my first semester. My manager wanted to take over my company. And that time as well, it tested me so much. I froze in my company and I was left with one euro. And I have no idea how am I going to afford my school fee. So what happened was I used all my royalties to clear all the debts. And my managers or friends show me their real faces. And then my family was scolding me. My teachers or students were like, um, have no idea what the hell am I going through. I told the school that I might be going back, but the school asked me to continue because they see a potential. It pushed me to find a job in the studio and work from wiring, work from cleaning the, the, the studio. And I was eating flour for one month. In Spain, uh, a packet of flour is 39 So I bought two packets of flour and one packet of spaghetti. So I told myself I need that to survive until I get a job. And then every day I was working for 20 hours for my uh, scholarship because we, I want to fight for my fellowship. I told all the people, give me all the hours you don't want. The late hours until 2 a.m. midnight. And sometimes when I'm hungry, I'll eat the leftover biscuits in the studio. And every day, even working and stuff, my people back home are still sending me stupid messages, scolding me. My parents are, you know, if family scold me, I'm okay. But, you know, you are sad where the industry people wants to pull you down. And they say that if you, if, if you don't come back and work and pay off all those things, we are going to sue you to court and stuff. I was like, you know what, just close the company. Because I don't have liability like that. And my artistic thing is all under my own name. I don't need, you know, the company. I took a very drastic thing where I, I risk all my popularity back home. I push away all the jobs back home, which is secured. Everyone laughed. Everyone say that you won't pass the exams because it's music tech. You know, a girl going to producing. You are stupid. Yes, I wasn't good enough. And as a girl in the production world, I need to prove it to the guys that we learn things differently. I want to serve the students. I want to serve the industry. I want to serve the school. How difficult was it for you as a woman wanting to work in music production? It's still like among 10, only one is women. You must know that mine is worst. I am an artist. I am a beauty queen. So mine is double my strength to prove that I'm not here for the glamour. I would admit that I'm not as fast as them. But my way of learning is a bit more Asian. I'm more into the, the slower path. It's a very different world for me. Like working in the studio, my first day of my job, I was being scolded because I, I wasn't fast enough to tidy up the whole studio. So the next day I got a complaint. I, I was being honest. I told the whole team, it's what, it was me. You know, I even went for interview and told the supervisor that I'm willing to work extra hard because I, I am not good in all those things. They groom me because I was honest. How did you experience taking that step from artist to producer? We have uh, another weakness where I need to let go of the ear of an artist. When I was mixing for my first year, all the producer asked me, you are a singer, right? 
you don't have the the ear of mixing of all the instruments you know as an artist or performance is a very different different uh, criteria but if you want to be a real producer you need to let go a lot of things and you have to see the whole perspective it was then that whole year i promised to myself that i won't perform on stage i came down and served on the digital side and i served from the technical side i want to learn from the producer because performance i really spent my 10 or 16 years back home crafting that i was from a performance school i am from the industry so i told them i voluntarily let go of the position and i voluntarily go backstage to served when you were in malaysia you made the decision to participate in different beauty pageants how did you get into that world back then when i was in a smaller music school everyone wants singing competition but i went for beauty pageant but of course beauty pageant is a world where i need to go in i need to play the game as well because of i was from the music school and back then we don't have youtube we have limited singing competition my mom was so smart back then i have stage fright she said since like your motive is to conquer your stage right don't think about winning first so why not you get experiences at first i was very skeptical i was like mom you're right so let's try modeling and and beauty pageant it seems easy when i went in there and i didn't know that there's so many criteria so again i went to a modeling school first you get the connection in the industry they asked me are you willing to to go for a pageant because we don't have enough people i was like okay let's go because it's just voluntary but because i went in there already i saw that i'm more suitable for the pageant world because there's a talent round i love the talent round because that's when i can practice my vocal hey since i'm here why not i do it right i analyze the whole competition there's three four segments and i started from a very tiny competition first and step by step the organizer sent me to the bigger one and then as well as i told them that my real motive is just for the talent round so in between of course i get number second and third i never get the first then again i ask myself why never i get the first so when i look on the national competition and international one education and english back then i don't speak in much in english and i analyze those who won the national pageant each of them was a law student one of the winner can take part so i need to represent her to overseas in china for the national competition so when i went there i really saw where the international direction was i was doing chemical engineering i got an a an offer you know imperial college to do my chemical engineering i rejected that i went for the pageant and when i came back i don't want to wait for another year for the chemical engineering thing i want to take whatever courses there was So there was law and business. Hell yeah, I took law. We don't any law background. From a science student towards a law student, I was stuck. In the first semester I argued with the teacher. I was like, I don't get this. That year I started to get offer into the TV station for some reality shows and some advertisement. So I stepped from pageants into the TV side. Until the exam, I have to confess to my parents. I cried to my parents a month ago before my exams. that i think i want to change the business like i i i don't think i can pass but it was one of my friend he was like you know wincy why not you just sit for the exam and try your best and i miraculously passed my exam <laughs> the second year we have a choice of staying back home or to to further our studies in the uk 
meaning I'm leaving my comfort zone. I was getting a lot of advertisement and jobs and pageants. I was even offered singing contract by my music school. I pushed everything away. And uh, I went UK to start back as a law student. First year, yes, I get it right and understand the culture of studying in overseas. The second year, since I can balance my studies already, I started to produce Malaysian Night and be a producer behind the scene, coach all my fellow lawmates into singing and dancing. So we were the first bunch setting up a Malaysian night and I was the producer for the music and the performance. So every day, I need to hide from my parents that I'm still involved in the performance. Every time they want to break me away from the performance world, I will keep, keep going back. I would like spend my, my daytime in the law school and then every day, 5 a.m. till 10 p.m., I would accompany every single lawmate into singing and, and dancing. I will coach them. What I notice is that each time you somehow find your way back to the music. Can you see that? When I was studying the law, I was still listening to a lot of Asian pop music. I told myself, what if it's so nice if one day I could study something about music? Whenever I see a chance for performance or a, a, a production, I would volunteer the first. Or people would know that. Wincy is the one to call. Yes, because like you said, even during your beauty pageant, your focus was on the talent part. So you yes. keep going back on to the performance talent. and yes. production. I didn't know much about the depth of the production yet. It was always the music and the performance side, I would say. So are you more attracted to the production part or more the performance side? Um, I would say both. I love performance, but I like the production as a whole because it's a show. I, I went back for my national competition I was like, you know what, if I fail, I'm going to back to practice law. So it's always the, uh, the backup and it's always the heart wanting to offer more things. That pushed me even deeper. Did you ever get over your stage fright? Yes, from singing like shivering on stage until at the end, you can't stop me on stage until my, my producer said, enough, enough, go away. <laughs> It's always you. When I went back from UK and I was doing my master back then, I gave myself one year. I'm going to participate in every single competition. If I win, I'm not going to turn back. If I lose, I'm going back to my law. I participated in every single singing, modeling, and beauty pageants. I did the last competition, as you remember, uh, Miss World Malaysia, our national. It's really tough competition. And I saw people better than me and stuff. I won the talent round before they announced the last final. So I told myself, Wincy, this is the last word. So please enjoy your journey. If I win to tonight, I won't turn back to law. When they announced that, you know, I still remember the whole say that contestant who never gives up. The winner is Wincy. I was like, oh my God, my mom, my dad. My lawmates who were practicing bar in overseas, everyone cheered in the dormitory and my pageant line. I become a legend for them. So when I won the biggest title and all these things, each of them, they know that my life would change. Of course it's changed. It's not as glamour. Suddenly you went from someone with low self-esteem and who has been bullied in the past to becoming Miss World Malaysia. What happened next for you? Well, in, in the Miss World competition, I made it into the semi-final for the talent round and, and also like the modeling round and all this, but I, I didn't win the biggest award. So when I went there as well, I know that international platform is not as beautiful as we thought. Because of all the glamour, I was getting a lot of interviews and all those things. 
Suddenly, when I came back from this world, I fall into deep depression. You must know that each year there will be a new beauty queen. In back home in Malaysia, it's not like Philippines or other places where you get a job offers and stuff. It's one month of I don't, I don't know what to do. Okay, I want the title already, but there's no job offer. Nothing secured. So I took one month off. I was very depressed. So I told myself, if there's no offer, I'm going to knock on every door and start from low again. So imagine a Miss World Malaysia going for audition as an extra for the film, for the drama industry and for the music industry as well. You know, I, I knock on a lot of labels. None want to sign me. So I told my Miss World organization, why not I just park under your company? You know, they have Malay artists and stuff. They don't have a Chinese artist. They gave me all the freedom, what I want to do. They thought that this young girl, it's just playing a fool. So it's, I uh, just let her, you know. <laughs> On the first year, I still remember when I was almost give, giving up and my parents are pushing me to, to go and work for the company or to push me into the law back. I, I still remember I let go all my financial dependence on my, my, my family. And I was just surviving like 50 ringgit per week back then, which is like uh, 10 euro as well. Because like you must know that even we go events and stuff, we are not being paid on the first year because there's too many beauty queens. I told myself within the first year, I need to go off the glamour because my calling was music and the art side. So I started a bit of like back in the um, advertising world and also trying to produce my music because nobody wants to write music for me. So I need to push myself to write myself. So I was like pushing one song today. I only know how to compose, but I don't know about production yet. It became uh, a sponsored album. Um, but the thing is, the first album flopped because performance and production is different. So when you're producing your song and stuff, I didn't know that recording was like that. So my manager said that we need money and you need visibility. Why not you go acting? I don't have a background in acting. Because I went UK for so many years. I didn't speak in Malay or Chinese for so long. When I came back, I was like, my Chinese was so bad. So they gave me a small role starting from that. I still remember after my, 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 my first drama, I was being scolded. I, I don't blame them, you know, but that's, that was the working environment. And I still remember they asked me, you know, after this, do you want to act some more? I was like, no, I don't want. I just went off and took a break. But what happened was... My first drama was being nominated as the top newcomer. And you'll be shocked. When I saw on, on screen, it wasn't that bad at all. I was like, hey, actually it's not that bad. And I gotten a bit of loss because I, I gotten more offer in the acting world than the singing world. And then my, my manager came back to me and said, that, um, are you forgetting something? You want to be an actress or as a, a singer? I was like, hey, 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 of course, singing, singing, you know. So I went back and hit to the studio and produced again my, my albums and stuff. Slowly, I, I got it more and slowly there's more airplay and I act as well. But again, because of the Chinese industry back then, it's quite limited. So the mass market is still the Malay industry. And then you appeared in MasterChef Malaysia. How did you end up there? I almost gotten a main lead in, in, the, in the Chinese market. I saw again, once again, the actress are competing among each other toxically. You know what? I don't want. I want to find a way to the Malay industry. But my Malay suck. And a Chinese going into a Malay industry. Suddenly, there's a billboard. MasterChef Malaysia. And my manager said, Hey, you like cooking, right? Why don't you try MasterChef Malaysia? But meaning is you are, you are competing again. So when I went in, each of them were a superstar. 
I was the least popular among all the contestants. And the first two episodes, everyone voted for me to go out. And I was not a Malay. So I told myself, in order to win this battle, I need to cook my best. And I can't explain in Malay because my Malay was so bad. I only can speak in English a bit and then a bit of Malay. But what happened was, what gotten famous was my broken Malay. I think that this girl is cute. I, I didn't care about the glam. So every time I just wore a t-shirt, it was the first time where they see this beauty queen, very pitiful. It was then from the second episode onwards, I was like, I just wanted to compete on my food. From there, they were like, you can cook. Instantly, I can tell you, on the street, first time in my life, a Chinese being idolized by the Malay. The rating was almost 1 million viewership per episode. When you're receiving 1 million of views, authentic views on, on, on the traditional TV, and uh, you can't buy views back then, you know. Again, I saw my Facebook each week, 10,000 of increasement of authentic fans. I was shocked to the max. I managed to get into the top 10, but that built my whole name in the household. Every single family watched me cooking every day. The impact of that, they were like, MasterChef is created for you back then. I was like, you didn't win the competition, but you won the hearts of the whole Malaysia. You know, my price went from like 10 times up. One day I have 78 shows per day. I have four managers around me. Yeah, I was making almost like six figure each year. So participating on that show had a really, really big impact on your career. Then I got so many offers, singing, acting, every single thing in the Malay industry. I was like, every day you see me. I told myself that my dream is not just Malaysia. <laughs> and, and I want to branch out to other country. And we all know that for, for Chinese music, is, it was Taiwan. You know, people take loans to buy their houses. I take that loan and told my dad that I want to invest in my album, in my first international album. So I went to Taiwan and because I took like, such a huge, huge loan, I, I want to do my PhD pivoting into all this. If I don't get the investment right, at least I get my education, I can teach later. I, I took PhD and pivoted into the social media business because when I went to Taiwan, I saw how they make yeah, digital and royalties. It's beyond just on platform. I want to see how they do the A&R, artist repertoire and the strategy back then. And I really invested in my production and I was like uh, pitching for drama songs. The drama didn't do well, the one I sang for the Taiwan Idol drama. But my song went up in, into the chart. Because of Taiwan, my song went viral in Taiwan. But again, there was a lot of mismanagement. And again, I saw the whole label model have collapsed. Um, at the peak of my career in Taiwan, um, my, my team in Malaysia told me that. So the, the boss who signed me, he, he was diagnosed with cancer. And their investment in, in, in the film was a scam. My whole team, they asked me that, you know what, just sign to Taiwan, don't come back. But I was like, we, we go through this together. I want a second chance for them. So what happened was I used whatever I earned to buy over my company and to invest, you know. So that's why I took over because my boss passed away. So he passed down the brand. So I used that to invest in my team. Also to help some local artists. I had some argument back in, in Taiwan team where someone sabotaged me and because everyone was using my money and I have no choice to, to blur that out to, to a whole nation and stuff. One year or I need to do my concert. That was, that was a, a movement of political things where one of our ex-president, um, he was kind of like in a, a lot of bribery and all this thing. So I made a statement and become viral because of that as well. 
I also saw how incompetent we are in the production world. So I told my team as well, I don't want to do things where actually we are not professional in that. After the concert, as you know, a lot of people left. So you keep getting disappointed in the people around you. Was there never a time that you just wanted to give up on everything? Okay, for me, it's very simple. I wanted so hard to give them a chance. I was like, it's okay, you betray me, but I would just want you to learn. So I never in my mind wanted to give up. I didn't think about giving up any one of them until I went in Berkeley. My direction was, okay, I want to bring Malaysian team up and stuff. Everyone showed me their real face. But again, Berkeley is something, it's just, you know, a starting point to the international world. Because, you know, when you're at the top in your country, you don't think much because you think that everything you can do. But when you went out, it opened my world. So I was testing every one of them, even my celebrity friends. And again, when I saw the criteria of how they choose the students, no longer I can bring people out. And with the policy changing nowadays, I have to obey and respect the industry. I'm not giving up, but I'm giving up with people who are not ready. Yeah, so you've been through so many ups and downs. Are there any regrets at all? I guess I, I regretted most is not being straight with my team. And I planted too many blind trust without questioning. It's just like nurturing a children. It doesn't mean that whatever you give them, it will be good. As well as loyalty doesn't mean that it's the person who always stays be beside you. Because it's a traditional mode, so we can't excel them. But whole thing pivoted and we saw the whole thing as personal branding and social media thing. So the voice went back to the owner of the art. That was when I had to make a drastic move to even test each of the managers. So a lot of my lawmates advised me on the legal side. So I know that what's, what was my rights and stuff. That law knowledge helped me a lot. Yeah, I'm clearing off like almost like I used that four years to clear off a lot of things to stay in Spain to reinvent myself. My destiny, it's, it's hard. Nothing is guiding me. So I need to guide myself here. Because you're so well known, do you feel the pressure even more? Yes, yes. I would tell you honestly, um, if you asked me to do this interview four years ago or two years or even last year, I wouldn't accept. It's about my authenticity and it was an intense pressure. That's why my first year I went back as an artist first as well. So I went down and performed. I still remember my first show. It was for the King of Malaysia. I gotten into a bigger shows. So I need to restart back again as an artist. Then I went to see all the producer behind the scene. This year, like after the COVID, I need to fly back for my cooking shows. I'm combining uh, international team for them. It's just as a producer, I need to pitch so that we can work together. So uh, because of conflict interest and stuff, I, I only will hire professionals. Like you said, it hasn't been easy growing up surrounded in a culture with different beliefs, yet you decided to go your own way. Do you feel a sense of freedom? Hell yeah. I feel so free and I, as well as a lot of pressure. If you get the freedom, meaning you have to prove even more. Sometimes uh, you'll be trapped in one territory where, where everyone depressed on you that's why like why i agreed to do podcasts and all those things because voices from different territorial more intimate and and uh, more sharing towards a different audience because now audience like no longer that you have a huge concert everyone will come or you have a talk everyone will watch now it's about segmentization and it's about very very close towards the audience all those things yes i felt free but i want to push more but now it's for the international music industry. 
that's a different ballgame. Like my production team and stuff, I always insist on diversity because I've been serving the local team for so long. I only use international team. I I started to have standards <laughs> unless I am helping the producer. So that really taught me a lot. You are a very strong-minded person who doesn't easily give up. Are you happy right now? I would say I I'm grateful but not satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> because because honestly, um, like now only I could push my electronic production or song arrangement. You know, previously I was in the pitching side, I was in in the content side, I was in the composition and performance. This whole lockdown and this year of my PhD, I need to polish my language, linguistic, my technical production and my mixing. So that is progressing. It's also something where I need to push myself every every day. I think it's amazing how you keep turning the, the negative into something positive. And right now, with COVID, a lot of people are at home and a lot of young people feel depressed and miserable. What would your advice be for them? I would tell them that remember how depressed it, it is now and never come back anymore. Because I would tell a lot of them that we are in the same position. Do not listen to what the, your environment is telling you. Go up higher. So like kids and the parents as well, do not simply push them into the wrong direction. Let them make their own decision. We only can encourage them to say yes towards the weakness and to face it, but not to give in. For me, my role is to guide and to lead the next generation. And I'm just opening a door for them to go. Invest in your talents. Invest in something you believe. And don't get married so early. You must know that back home, everyone is like pushing you into the marriage trap. You know what? I rather not earn so much. You know, you will earn later on. You do more first, you take less, but you offer more. So one day the things will come chasing back you. The real things. What I notice is that you are also someone who's not afraid to speak up and be the voice for those who don't have the nerve to do so. You know why? Initially, you know, in our culture, in Asian culture, objection meaning you're unfilial and you're a bad person. I've been through that. I also saw how my seniors suffer because of just obeying. I rather, I told them, be the bad girl at start and to go into a hunger mode than to tell lies. And second, I don't even want the temptation back home. Third, as long as I know how to survive myself, I take care of my own things. I can't say that, hey, yeah, I, I speak up, but everything is not, I'm not bearing it. You know, I need to be frank. It takes me in stages as well. First, I used to give in. Trust me, when you give in, you will lose yourself. And then when you lose yourself, people will come and tell you back that you are bad. So you know what? Whatever you do, people will say, just be your true self. If we talk about sexuality and all this thing, I even saw some gay friends who get married to just cover their sexuality and to make the girl suffer. I was like, you know what? I would rather suffer myself than to ask people to suffer. Then for the ego of the family, one day, your parents are going to pass away. One day, your spouse is going to pass away. One day, your kid's going to leave you. What's left? Yourself. Take this decision now before it's too late and stand up for yourself. No matter how good you do, people will still find flaw. Let go of the um, independence by stages. Are you ever afraid that it will backfire? Yep. I always worried. But my integrity pushed me forward. I can't lie. I'm sorry. I told the media, I'm so sorry. I was like, I can't do something where I'm faking. 
I, I go so far because that's me. If you see me as, you know, something where I still need layering or scripting, I waste my teacher's effort. The second thing is I even I lost everything, but the brand I carried and the educational guidance I carried for so many teachers back home, that duty pushed me so far. I have no choice. I carry my country's brand. I have the chance of, of seeing and going up and down like that. If you put this my formula onto other, other people, he or she might suffer. That's why I always think you only can use me as reference. If you copy, it's plagiarism. A lot of them, when they underestimate or, you know, they try to pull me down and stuff, I will always run back to my teacher, my classmates who, who are really supporting. So industrial people might not even understand sometimes, but some good friends, it lasted until today for a reason. I give myself no chance of going back. You know, that's how extreme I am. It's just like Berkeley and stuff. If I don't pass or whatever, whatever I go through, meaning is proving that my manager was right. I mean, right or wrong. Let me finish it. I don't judge. I don't judge. That's why when I was facing a lot of things, I don't judge. But if I made it, it proved them wrong. Your story is so impressive and it proves that if you're strong-minded, you can accomplish anything. I have nothing but admiration for you, especially because you're still doing what you want to do. I would never as well to let go of my Asian heritage. I, my formula is a bit different. I think a lot of people, when they make it in Hollywood, they don't go back. Mine is very different. I will go and counter back offer and produce something for them. Right now, uh, you're working on your second PhD. Is there still something that you want to study? Because A lot. <laughs> oh my God. Don't you ever just want to take a break? No, that's... No, if I, if, I was like, if you can see every year, I never stop studying. But I never stop working as well. If I take too long of the break, I'll be very lazy. I would humbly tell you that um, one of my dreams is to get into Harvard for my next PhD or something else. Yeah, so um, yeah, I really hope that, you know. Somehow you're always busy. I mean, you're having all these titles and achievements. You've done so much. Where do you get the time? Because I'm single. I don't have a family. That's why I told everyone, don't get married. You have the time of your own. I can make my own things. I, I don't have children, you know. Marriage will take you a lot of time. Honestly, I can wake up anytime and do my own things. And I also can study 20 hours. And I also can fly here and there. I can take care of my mom or can take care of anyone. I even can help my friend and coaching them into places. So easy, don't get married so early. <laughs> do you still get nervous when you get on stage? Oh, when I was young, yes, but but I guess nowadays it's, it's no longer about the nervous or whatever. It's about the excitement and sometimes it's about the stress. But because I already have the formula of whatever happens on the stage or whatever, you have to be a different person. But now sometimes I get a bit nervous is because I'm adding like as a motivational talk. You know, singing for me is like, okay, yes, I'm like, but what if like I'm adding new talents? I Now sometimes I do like aerial singing. Meaning I'm hanging in the air and, and singing and stuff. I need to make it right, right, you know, sometimes. But that's why I like to go for rehearsals. It's, it's about what I want to carry on and what I want to add on. I'm giving motivational talk plus music plus hosting and everything. So that one day my concert will be like very motivational. If one day I want to do my international tour in five to ten years time, it might be a motivational tech concert and all those things. 
As a segment of the show, I have five random questions for you. And the first one is, is there still someone you want to work with in the future? A lot, especially international artists. I would honestly tell you, whatever I did before my previous achievement is just a prototype. The real international journey will start after COVID. Because whatever before, I would tell myself that was the past era. Again, I, I really hope to work with a lot of uprising artists in, in a production line or performance line. I would love to meet the best, like what you say, to combine forces and stuff. Now we are all divided, but after the COVID, the real people will emerge. You've been through it all and you have all these skills. What do you think are the qualities that someone needs to become successful? The most important thing is you must dare to fail with a purpose. You must rise unconditionally. That's the ultimate formula. There's no excuse for you to be fearful of failing if you are a creator. And there's no excuse for you to stop until you're negative. The second thing is don't wait for chance. Yeah, create your own. Don't take luck for granted. Don't be controlled by anything. Always go into the hunger mode. What's next for Dr. Su Wen Chi? Okay, I I see my future um, after the whole COVID and stuff. A lot of new shows are coming up. Uh, new music, new cooking shows. I guess a new me as well. But I, I would guarantee one day, every single one in the world will listen to my music. That's one of my huge goals. Yes, my country know me and stuff, but I want to make it where every single people in the world know my crazy stories and I'm still working towards it. Especially my music story. If one day I ever get my Grammy or whatever, I would dedicate this towards the industry where um, that's how far I came. If this girl from a quite a small country, small village, and I'm still fighting like that without even I swim the sea myself, <laughs> I go and build my own things. And also I fight for education and intelligence. And I want people who listen to my music get the message as well. People asked me before, Lindsay, if one day you were to offer a movie which is going to get you an Oscar or a song project going to get you a Grammy, which one you go first? I was like, no need to say Grammy first because without music, I won't go far. Honestly, before Berkeley, I intended to apply to a film school as well. But again, that music calling pulled me back again. People know me a singing chef, a singing beauty queen, you know, a singing actress. Not everyone can sing. So, but again, it, it will be a lonely route when you get the unique positioning. It's clear that throughout your life, it's the music is what keeps you going. It shows how important music is in your life. The essential, I would say that is something where whenever even I felt lonely or whatever, the music side will always listen. And that thing always guided me. Something where people don't even notice, but music play a huge role. You will always listen to music repetitively, but not watching a movie repetitively too much, you know. Music is still something where, which really pushed me so far, so tough, and gave me so much strength. And, and honestly, even when I feel, I felt happy. Because it's what I love. I fall on what I loved. Before I even go to the international stage, I need to get my music right. If you know that I am the uh, Malaysian book of record holder as the most degree of artist, then I would 
tell you that, you know, I would set the bar really high. <laughs> and I, I really hope that the university won't stop me from getting more degrees or PhD. <laughs> <laughs> well, looking back at your life, did you ever expect it, it would go like this? No, 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 no. And, 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 and among all, I was like, no way. I was like, everyone said a second PhD. It, it blew my whole country mind. I was like, what the hell? This girl is going. I don't know, but let me go and do it first. And then and, and let me show you the result later and stuff. I was like, the calling is just there, you know? Are you proud of yourself and what you have accomplished? For me, because until today, I still, um, my parents are, my parents are siblings, are still scolding me that they still think that I am still surviving on my parents. <laughs> they don't understand our working model. And, and my, my siblings were like, hey, you never worked before. I was like, how to tell them that, you know, uh, until today, my parents or people back home are still scolding me in some ways. I won't say I'm proud yet because I haven't gotten my Grammy. <laughs> You have to p- keep pushing because I would say that I can do better. You know, in Asian, we always say that we cannot be proud of anything. You know, that's how the parents push them as well. They always say something bad so that you don't get contented. That's how my parents push me as well. You know, but I don't give I, I don't give a damn already and stuff. And I I feel I still feel that you know I, I still need to improve in a lot of things. I'm in this pathway where this is the start of my international career and on because after the COVID, things are going to be even tougher. So I cannot bring anyone out and I need to prove it myself. Yeah, and, and, and also I want to fight for the education background in our, our industry because I want to tell them that uh, people who does music or art, we are not someone who are uneducated. With the hard work and the way your mindset is, I believe you will win that Grammy. You're not a quitter and you really believe in your own strength. Yeah. Again, again, of course, we fail a lot of times throughout the way because if you want to be the creator, I always tell them, you know, in the music line, if you want to just be a pianist or just a backup vocalist, yeah, the formula is different. But if you want to be an artist, if you want to be a composer, if you want to be a producer, if your idea, your stories, your thinking, it's not creative. What's creative? You need to fail. So, so you open up like a lot of possibilities. But because I saw a lot of musicians, they're so perfect. They don't dare to let go. So it become, you are just very good in playing that piece. So for us in the pop music world as well and stuff, we are leading, if we are leading and we are innovating and all those things, of course, we need to analyze the base, but we cannot follow the old method, you know? And, and sometimes being the first doing everything, we suffer the most. It's a fine, thin line between insanity and genius. You know, my first PhD, I almost gave up. Six years it took me. I told myself, If I never pushed, my six year of efforts will be gone. Success is easy, but the journey of maintaining it and to go the next level is the hardest. No, I'm not a creator, but I will tell you honestly, sometimes you might, you might need to quit for a while because you can't just line up and not getting new stuff in. It took me a long way and stuff, but as long as I learned. And for me, It's a dedication towards the music dream. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Su Wenxi. No, anytime. For sharing your story with us. I truly believe you will inspire many others with your accomplishments and your journey. It's been a true honor to have you on the podcast. Thank you for your honesty. Yeah, there's no filter. <laughs> and I cannot wait to meet you in person. Terima kasih. Oh, sama-sama. <laughs> and I hope to see you very soon again. Thank you again. Same. Thank you again for listening to another episode of the Music Note Podcast. Join us again next time for more stories in the world of music. For now, subscribe to the podcast and rate the show. And don't forget to follow us on our social media. Bye for now. Bye.